Hate me all you like, but I am the means to your end. Hello and welcome to another episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. It's me, your host and Dungeon Master, Aaron. And today I'm sitting around the table with some very special friends and guests and you are in for a treat today. Wherever you are listening from, we thank you for tuning in to us and we are going to go around the table and introduce the players that are with me. We're going to hear from their uh, name, their race, their class and today they are going to tell us who your character's hero would be in real life, like in our world. So, my name is Adam, and I am playing Felix. I'm a tabaxi sun-soul monk. Was a tabaxi sun-soul monk. <laughs> um, and his hero would have to be, uh, well, I thought it was going to be more difficult, but actually, he had that, like, children's show. Uh, oh. Tom Hanks played yeah, him in, yeah, that, yeah. In, a, in, like, a documentary show of him. Was it Mr. Rogers or something? Mr. Rogers. Yeah, Mr. Rogers. That would be his, I reckon, Felix Hero, just in like an upstanding, well-spoken, nice, polite man. Helped everybody out on their way. All right, and our next person to introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Lullavi. You can call me Lol. I am playing the former Shadow Monk, who was a shadow of himself, Key, uh, Tabaxi Monk. Um, his hero would probably be someone that was the complete opposite to him, so... Everything that Key's not. Um, I'm going to give it to Ryan Reynolds. He's got the looks, he's got the charm, and he's got the jokes. He's got the mm. wittiness. If Key met him in real life, do you think he would like him or hate him? Well, you know, I think he would actually become a little bit uh, um, enamored being around him. So, yeah, I think, uh, think he'd very much enjoy that. Very nice. And I'm Aaron. I'm your dungeon master. And my real life hero is Luke Combs. He's a country music singer, and I can see Lullaby's face just go extremely distorted. I know, all of all the people I could choose. Great artist. Family man. Loves his beer. Loves his wife. What can you ask for? Anyway, as you may have heard and as you may have listened to before, last time we left off, these two uh, amazing cats had expired all of their nine lives and have died. So this story might be a little bit of a mystery to everybody, and especially to them, especially when I asked them to come back and play these characters. Now, I know what you're thinking. These two characters died in season two, right? Well, you're absolutely correct. The last time we saw Key, he was lying flat on his back in Mediteri, the Sea of Thieves, a blade pushed through his chest by Avery Morgan, the pirate king and the crown corsair. And Felix? Felix was vaporized by none other than Delnak, the outcast, both on separate paths, having found their way back together in the underworld. That's where this story begins. We couldn't let their odyssey rest without showing how these two cats, these immense friends, reunited. And we wanted to deliver to you the closure of their story. So sit back, enjoy, and we will jump in now. Key, your, your vision begins to darken from the outsides in. And as it does so, the last voice you heard in your head was that of Delnak the Outcast, saying to you, I thought you would never ask. As that echoes in your mind and your eyes flutter open, you get that haziness as if you're waking from a dream. You have too much sleep in your eyes, so you clear them rubbing them and as you open them you're in a dark room and you smell something delicious you please roll a perception check for me 14 this is the unmistakable smell of baked goods this is baked goods mixed with sweet nectar filled fruit one that you recognize as peach you follow your nose and begin to walk around this space, your paws touching cold stone under your feet. You feel the seams under the cobblestones and you 
bump into what looks like a stone wall and you look up and you can see that it's not stone at all. It's something steel, something reflective. And in the night, you can see the moon peering through one of the windows to your left that gives you just that little bit of light. It's shining off of this surface. And as you take a step back, you look at yourself and you can see that you're standing about three foot tall. Your face is a little chubbier than you were. Your hair all scraggly. You are a child. You are the orphaned form of key. As you look around this space, now you can see a cooking oven. You can see baking implements hanging around this space. And you've been here before. This is capital. You smell that scent again. You can't resist. You make your way to the pie oven. You open the door. The fresh heat hitting you. And you watch the orange glow. And inside is a delicious peach cobbler. As um, Key actually hasn't eaten for for quite some time, uh, which drew him to this to this point, I immediately uh, take out that cobbler and I start hoeing into it. You okay. eat it, and it is the most delicious and succulent thing that you have ever tasted. You begin to put piece after piece into your mouth, the juice running down your chin. As you begin eating, your belly becomes full, and you look down at it, and it's bulging. You can feel yourself becoming less mobile. And as you look down, you can see your hands aren't wrapped. Your scars are gone from life. This appears like a memory, but you're living in this space. It's a weird sensation. As you're leaning up against one of the cupboards, about to fall into a dozing slumber, you hear something outside. It's a voice that says, Yes, I am sure that they locked the door, but... It seems that someone has broken in. You watch as another voice says, It's okay, sir. The Capitolian guard is here to help. And it's at that point you hear the door kick open and you watch as the light from the street floods in and you look as two silhouetted figures in armor look down upon you and their eyes seem to be red. These demonic figures looking at you, or at least in your perspective, they look that way. They start to approach and see you Lying down, belly full, peach cobbler all the way to your sides. Key's actually feeling very, very satisfied with himself. He was on the verge of, um, of dying. So at this present moment, he hears sounds coming through, but he kind of doesn't care. He just sort of satisfied and just lies there in his sort of uh, all his glory covered in peach cobbler. You watch as these two approach you slowly. You watch as one of them extends a hand and says, is it a cat? The other one looks and says, no, I'm not sure. I, I mean, it looks like a cat, but he's he's way too big. I didn't... Which is the other one approaches and you see this, they get a stick and they poke your belly. And as it does, you watch it as it rumbles and they look and they begin to try and reach down to grab you. I'll get you to roll an arcana check for me. 17. As they go down to grab you, you watch as their gauntleted hand in the moonlight, as soon as it moves across into that light, you watch as that visage changes. From a gauntleted hand, you see an incorporeal, digited hand moving towards you. You can see the skeletal fingers just reaching out and it's almost coming out to touch you. As you look at the rest of the arm, you watch as the figure of the guard changes into what looks like this zombified, gaunt-looking peasant you can see rags tattered across some skin of gray and as you look around the space around you the smell of the bakery dissipates the scenery around you begins to dissolve and you can see just a mountainous scape of darkness you start to smell sulfur and you can see a blue glow coming from looks like a river of the dead coming by you on the left as you look around these two guarded figures change it looks like they're trying to get something off of you as you look down and into your hands something appears there. You open it slowly and as you do, you can see two shining copper coins sitting there. They're trying to get these off you. Noticing that, I immediately close my, my fist with the two coins and I start to back away from the guards. So not lose, not taking my eyes off them and moving in, their op in the opposite direction. So in this new desolate space, you look around and above you seems to be these clouds of, of black and you can see this rolling thunder just sort of smashing around. 
As you look around this space past them as well, you can see more wandering dead just meandering through this space, shuffling their feet across the stone. You also see behind them in the distance, about 40 to 50 feet away, there seems to be a very large wooden boat that seems to be upon this river of the dead. You can see the arms of this incorporeal blue wave move across it. And you also watch as there is a dark cloaked figure at the back of the boat with a large rod that seems to be pushing it along. As you look around this space as well, the coins thrust tightly in your hand. You look down and you can see that the wraps have returned. You have returned to your full height. It seems whatever you were just in was a memory or a vision or a illusion of some kind, but Key is back in his full form and you are standing there, these creatures imposing upon you. And as you look around, you can see another attracted in your direction and another and another. As you watch the boat beyond, you can see people lining up to get to this cloaked man. 40 to 50 feet away, you watch as they hand something to this cloaked man and begin to take a seat melancholily onto the boat and as they sit down. While Key's, Key's taking all that in, does he recognize this from any kind of uh, religious law? Roll a religion check. It's a 14. During your time in many of the monasteries, the most prominent myth or story going around the empire was that when people died, they were transported to the river Zadi and they had to pay a tithe to Kara, the boatman, in order to make their way into Duros, the underworld. As you look around, you can see that these individuals around you seem to be the dishonorable dead or the unworthy or those that could not pay. They're looking to take your coins. What's the distance from me to the to the ship? It's about 50 feet. And as you clock that in, you watch as one of them begins to lunge towards you. Does a 15, does a 15 hit? No. Okay, so you watch as this incorporeal hand just emanates an axe from it and slices horizontally across you. You horizontally duck as you bend your body 90 degrees and it just wisps straight over your form. You're not sure if in this space that you can take damage or die, but that was almost like a instinctual reaction. You watch as the second one around you is about to strike as well. You have one moment to act before we roll initiative. Is it uh, completely dark? Looking around, it is completely dark. The only glow is coming from the blue river of etherealness that seems to be wading across 50 feet in front of you that the boat sits on. Okay. Can I shadow step to the queue of people? Uh, I will say you can shadow step to the back of the queue of people at this point. Yeah. Yep, so you immediately shadow step. Your body is immediately engulfed in this shadow and you emanate towards the back of the line. As you do so, you watch as three individuals that seem to have been behind you approaching you in this backed up corner turn around and they continue to try and get to you. And at that point, we'll roll initiative. Key, you begin to watch these three individuals starting to surround you. The boat to your south approximately... 25 to 30 feet away from you. You watch as there are a couple of individuals that seem to be in this flowing sea of the dead that use their hands and elbows to prop themselves up onto the shore. And as they do so, they begin to lumber towards you. So they are well within range. You watch as they begin to slowly lumber towards you. These incorporeal moving... And as they get closer, you can see that they seem to have tattered robes. Their hair seems to be slicked down onto their face as if they've been swimming in an ocean or as if they've just come out of a deep and dark rain. It's at that point you see as they both begin to take a attack upon you. They take out these daggers that seem to be upon their person and the first one will attack you and that will be a 17 and the next one will only be a 7. Uh, they both miss. They both miss. Okay, so you dodge two of these dagger strikes. It will then use its... It can, it can then take the dash, disengage, or hide action. So it will disengage from you, and you watch as it lumbers slowly away and goes back into the drink that it came from. The second one is going to attempt to slice you twice as well. Uh, one is going to be a 24. That's the highest. It's a hit. Yep. And then the other is going to be way lower. Eight points of piercing damage. And as it slices you, you feel this pain and you look down and you can see that there is a green or blue eminence of arcana that seems to go across your form and then it begins to seal up. The pain's still there, the damage seemingly present. And as you look at your hand, 
you can see it flick in and out of form almost as if this is damaging not your body but your spirit or your soul. Whatever that was, it hurt in a different way to pain and it's something you don't really want to experience in this realm. Key kind of uh, takes that takes that in by looking at his hand. He's like Marty McFly and Back to the Future, just watching his hand sort of come in and out. And he's like, I've never been in this kind of situation before. It's at that point, it uses its disengage to back up into the drink once more. And you can see the flowing river of the dead around you. It then becomes your turn. But as it does, you close your eyes, you take in this space and you're surrounded. There is not an, a friend in sight. You think back to your friends, you think back to your allies. There's always one that comes to your mind first. I quickly touch the uh, sun medallion, which is which I'm still wearing around my neck. And I think to think to myself, you know, Felix could be here. I could have sworn I heard his voice just before before what Avery did to me. Always seem to find yourself in trouble, don't you? Luckily I've always got your back. You turn around and at your back, you can see Felix standing there, fists ready to fight by your side once more. Felix! We can talk after. Okay. Um, it's really good to see you. Good to see you, my friend. All right, let's get out of this situation. Your turn, Key. What are you going to do? Um, the first thing I do is I have my lantern attached to my rope um, with the coin inside. I cast darkness on it. Yep. I apologize to, to Felix and I say, trust me on this. And I move 20 feet. Ghost dudes. Okay, so I'm going to move 20 feet and be behind them. Okay, so you see the I'm these dark figures in front of you that seem to be blocking the line that you need to get onto. And you move 20 feet behind them in order to maneuver the darkness as best that you can trying to get Felix out of darkness and that's that's about there. Yep, absolutely. So you get uh, further across onto the line and you can see in front of you this heaving ship or this boat made of old wood that seems to be rotten and full of barnacles but it seems to be floating on this river of the dead nonetheless. He watches the dead turn to you and continue their assault. So they can still see me? They, they seem to turn to see the darkness which is completely obscuring the area and Felix you in this space see an erupting cloud of black smoke that seems to fill this already dark void I will use one key point for patient defense just in case okay so as a bonus action you begin to take a defensive stance your hand begins to trace circles in the air as if you're preparing for anything that may uh, come you watch as there is this skeletal-like creature with this whipping tongue that seems to stand upon one of the rocky encampments above, begin to crawl down, bending end over end as it does so. It hits the ground and then begins to move straight towards you, Felix. And you, coming into this space, it's a weird realization for you and these things are coming to attack you, but you're not even sure if they can hurt you. Um, It's at that point you watch as it's going to attempt to anyway. So you will need to make a DC 12 saving throw or be paralyzed. Constitution. 19. So the bite itself uh, would have hit with a 22, but the two claws you dodge. So the bite will hit you and you will take 10 points of slashing damage from the bite. And as it bites into your form, you can feel this blue and green emanating energy coming from your shoulder. And as it releases, you look down, you can see it just begin to heal up and you as well sort of fade in and out of existence. It's a different feeling to pain once again, but it's definitely something you don't want to experience. You watch as these two slashes come at you afterwards and you dodge and duck and weave those two in this space at the moment. You look at and you can see Key just sort of bubbling around in this darkened space. Or you know where he is because the darkness is sort of following him at this point. Felix, currently looking at this space, popping in to help your friend Key, it seems he is in more danger than usual and it becomes your turn. All right. Uh, so i got these two guys pretty much flanking me. I will uh, use my action and my second action attack to attack each of them. Um, they're all within five feet, aren't they? They are. 
I'll attack the one I've got an advantage on first with my radiant some bolt punch. Twenty-four. That is going to hit. Roll your damage. Seven points of radiant damage. Mm-hmm. Um, does it look like it's taking more damage than what it should? Yeah. Yes, it does. As your radiant sunbolt hits this creature, you watch as part of its flesh begins to burn away in this unnatural light. What does happen as well as you look and the attention is drawn to you as this spell seems to have angered the things around you. So you can assume that your radiant damage is super effective in Pokemon speak. I'm going to risk it and do a disadvantage attack on the other one as well. Okay. Not nine, yeah, 22. So 22 will definitely hit. Nine points of radiant damage. So once again, you can see that this radiant damage seems to absolutely affect these creatures. The skeletal form, the whipping tongue seems to burn away almost as if Thanos had clicked them. The dust protruding from their form in the opposite direction that the sun soul bolt hits. Excellent. Um, I'd like to, because I've got mobility, if I attack something, they don't get an opportunity to attack against me. So I've attacked those two, so I'm going to run away from them. If I get up on top of that little mound yep, to my to right. your northwest, yeah. Yep, northwest. Uh, um, northeast, sorry. Northeast, yeah. Uh, will that still be within range, safe range of both of them? Yes, it definitely will. Um, all right, I'll um, parkour up that All right, so you mound. get to it. You use your 20 feet of climbing speed for your tabaxi row uh, feature. And as you begin to climb, you jump from rock to rock and you get directly up to the top. And you can see this rocky formation that you're on seems to be surrounded by the wandering dead in this space and from your advantage point you can see that there seems to be quite a few people on the boat ready to go I'm going to use two key points uh, to take two instead of flurry of blows it's two sunbolt attacks mm-hmm. on those two again fantastic same two so on the top one to the north the one with the axe you will get advantage 28 is only seven points of radiant damage 16 that's just enough So you watch as these two disintegrate into dust and begin to hit the expanse beyond and you can look at the ground and the dust that seems to be along the ground seems to match what these creatures turn into when they dissipate. It's at that point you look around and as you perceive through these wandering dead, you can also see what looks like statues that seem to be locked in place. You watch as these creatures fall to dust in front of your eyes and then reanimate in this spiritual sort of form. And as they do, you watch as they begin to harden and lock in place, unmoving, unable to react. It seems that these spirits, these souls have been locked there for forever. You can see the two individuals are going to maneuver their way into the darkness and it's at that point they are looking to try and find you key so they're going to perceive you with disadvantage that one does not see you that one does not see you so they continue to wander aimlessly they'll both hit the north and you can see one of them poke out of the darkness and one of them stay there but they are wandering trying to find you still just sort of scrapping at the dark around them well it's your turn key after that okay I then shadow step um, straight onto the ghostly figure, not the drowned, um, the guys from the water, the remaining right? So I appeared just behind it, giving me advantage, and I attack with my, um, with an unarmed strike. Oh, what's a skull? Or is the a dragon one. a... Yeah, that's a one, a natural one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a natural one. Um, so yeah, that, because it's, that was rolling an advantage, the first roll count. Yep, yep. So that's a miss? That's a miss, yeah. So okay. your first attack misses. So I will take my um, second second attack. That is a 16. That will hit. Okay. Nine damage. Nine damage. Fantastic. So you punch it directly into the sternum. You watch as this energy ripples all the way over it, and you can see parts of it begin to fracture away like glass. All right. As it stands there being assaulted by you, it then becomes its turn. It immediately turns around, and it will attempt to strike you twice. It will use its martial fury in order to do so twice, but it will attack you with disadvantage because it cannot see you very well. Bold strategy card, and let's <laughs> see if it pays off for him. <laughs> All right, so with disadvantage, the first is a 16, which misses you, I believe. 
Yes. And with disadvantage, the second is only a 14, which also misses. So two axe strikes swipe across you, this brutal form becoming desperate. It takes another hand to try and claw at your wrist and it grabs it for a little bit, but then you rip your wrist away. Looking into your hands, you still hold the two copper coins required. That's its turn. It brings us to then Felix's go. I will run towards the edge of the rocks I'm on and jump at the one I don't see now, which is the worst. As I jump, I'll use my, what should I call it, radiant sunbolt attacks while I'm still at a distance. Yep. So you leap off of this rocky encampment heading towards the west, and within the air, you just shoot these beams down towards the floor to hit this drowned assailant that seems to be trying to track down Key. Well, the first one's a natural one. That one misses. That one whiz. Uh, second is a better. Um, second is a 22. That will hit. Six points of radiant damage. I'll spend another key point to do the flurry of blows, but radiant sunbolt. I'll say this is happening while you're descending. Yeah. So they're not at disadvantage for being within five feet at this yeah, point. Yeah, so I kind of want to land. Not with the two. Lucky last. Oh, natural 20. Beautiful. All right, roll your damage. 15 points ready damage. All right, so that one definitely dies. What does it look like as you beam this thing into absolute death? You can see it's this spiritual drowned looking assailant that seems to have spent eternity in the river of the dead. Uh, so as I jump towards it, I just throw all these radiant sunbolts at it. A couple missed to the side, but the few that hit um, with the last one piercing straight through its chest. And as it puffs into dust, I want to sort of like jump through it as it's dust and the dust all just covers it around me as I land and then it can yeah it will definitely reform in the statue behind you but it has this screaming visage on its face as if it's holding its cheeks and as it does so you watch as it just begins to harden in this form dying here does not seem like a good idea you still have a little bit of movement that only took you 20 feet uh whereabouts is the boat right now you can see that the boat is probably about 40 feet away from you you can see it's docked towards your south and it seems to be filling up from this line of people that attempt uh, to pay. You can also see that some of the the dead are actually assailing these people lined up as well, and they seem to be defending themselves also. Uh, do I happen to have the coins as well? You do not. I'll yell to Key and say, uh, Key, we got to move soon, and I'm going to head to one of the people in line, and on my next turn, I'm going to try and pickpocket. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'll say that you get to the very back of the line, which is 15 feet away from you, and you stand there like an orderly patron at the bank, just looking <laughs> from left to right. Um, and we'll wait till your next turn to see what happens there. All right. The f- next one is going to, in the Stark and Space, continue to look for you, Key, knowing that you have uh, some coins. With disadvantage, it's not going to see you. So I'll roll the direction. It's going to continue to run out of the darkness. So it continues to head towards the east. And as it gets out, it begins to wander and it sees Felix to the south. It will start to move five feet down towards him using the remainder of its movement. So this second drowned assassin that seemed to have been coming from the River of the Dead goes to assault you. Key, that brings us to your turn. So I see Key um, Felix move down to down to the base of the line. Yeah, you can see him standing in line politely attempting to return his library books. <laughs> if I shadow step away from... This guy can't see me. So it's not going to count as me um, disengaging. So he, he will he will know that a magical effect is happening in front of him and then he will know that you are exiting because the darkness will go away. Yeah. So he will lash out with disadvantage. Yeah. I'm going to take that chance and I'm going to shadow step away and I'm going to pop just behind Felix in line. All right, so with disadvantage, the attack of opportunity is going to miss you. Axe strike just hits and rings through this area as it smashes against a rock. You immediately land behind Felix in the line. Just like that, Felix has uh, got, got an idea in his mind, then all of a sudden, he can't see anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I put my hand on his shoulder and say, hey, it's me. I kind of need to see. I know what you're going to do. Here, take this, and I give him my coins. Don't be like me. And then I, um, the water being, yes, is within ten feet of me. Absolutely. I will attack it with my with my whip. Yes, with, and you have just shadow step, so you'll have advantage. Yeah. Yep. 
and I'll use stunning strike on it as okay. well. Okay, yep, fantastic. So that'll be a key point. Uh, it will get a 15 on its con save. Because I'm pretty sure it needs to beat a 12. Okay. So it is not stunned, but it will still take damage. With my whip, the 23. It's 23 hit. 23 will hit. That's nine damage with my whip. That's the maximum damage I can do with my whip. Uh, yes, so I'll attack with my whip again. That is a two, so that's going to be a miss. Yes, that will miss. So the second one, as you whip it out, you can see this uh, this ghostly hand just sort of grab it and toss it to the side. You roll it back in and uh, reload your arms, ready to go again in this way. Uh, you watch as the, the assailant that was attacking you with an axe seems to continue to walk in a westerly direction as if it is assailing something or someone else in that in that vicinity. And that brings us to Felix's go. You have coins now in your hand. You look down to them. And these two copper pieces seem to emanate. And you're able to get onto the boat. We have to catch this ride. I'll sneak on. Don't worry. As you say that, you hear a voice coming from your left that says, You cannot fool the dead, friend. As you look towards the left, you can see nestled underneath some of the rocks, a horrible looking figure. You can see it seems to be sewn together with different parts from different bodies. It has an elven ear. You can see a, like a furbolg nose and a goblin sort of forehead. You can see one arm that seems to be a complete Goliath arm and the second one seems to be part of a minotaur arm. Its body, a patchwork of different races. You can see that he has one eye and half of his mouth seems to be missing and you can see that he's missing half of his leg as well this creature looks towards you and you can see he's almost set up like a stall or a shop in this area you can see barrels and rags that seem to be tattered across in this almost bizarre like form you watch as he says that to you he seems to be serving one of the dead patrons next to him and he says pleasure doing business with you you watch as that individual moves away and you watch as he gives that person two copper coins are we out of combat at the moment? The one that's next to you seems to still want to attack you, but you're in darkness at this moment. Okay. Um, I've used my bonus action and I've also used my attacks, but I still have movement. So can I move to this to this uh, being? You sure can. Seeing what I saw. So 20 feet away, you begin to move towards this individual. And as you do, the assailant that was trying to attack you seems to see that you're moving in that direction and then turn away and walk the other way. It seems this creature seems to garner some respect in this area and is not being attacked or assailed any of his customers. I will close my um, my bull, bullseye lantern, turning darkness off temporarily, and I speak, to the, I speak to the being and I say to him, how much are those coins? It will cost you a part. As you can see, I am not whole of what I used to be, but I am getting there. I like the look of those eyes, cat. Give me one. I will give you two copper coins. How do I give you one of my eyes? You leave that to me. You make the agreement, it will be done. I ask to, um, I, I say to him, Show me these coins, so I need to know that they're authentic. Authentic? <laughs> you haven't been here long, have you? He watches, he opens his bag, and you can see that it is full of copper coins. And they look like the same coins I just gave to Felix? They do, but you can see that they, they kind of range in age. You can see some look much older, like much, way, way older, as if they were used in the Empire way, way back in the times, and then others seem to be quite new, as if they were spent yesterday but they do seem to be real. All right, then. I'll make a deal with you. One eye for two coins, getting me passage onto that ship. He watches, he nods and holds out a hand, and this hand has five different fingers from five different creatures that seem to have passed through this area. He says, It is a shame when one passes and there is no one to pay the respects of Caro the boatman. No coins, no passage. You are not the only one to die alone. He watches, he holds out the two coins. Haki, stop. Can't let you lose your eye. Especially not for me. 
and I'll flick you back your two coins and like, take my eye. He'll hold out his hand to you then. I care not where I get it. I'll, um, yeah, I'll walk towards him. I needed the coins, not you. He'll shake your hand. And as he does, you watch as this darkened void appears over your left eye. And you watch as it is now engulfed in shadow. You watch Key as that eye then appears within the blank socket of this Frankenstein-like stitched together creature. Ah, oh, Felix, this wasn't your sacrifice. You watch then as two coins appear in your hand, Felix. And you now have a smoky orb of dark energy in that space. I'm here to help you. Let's get on the ship so we can talk. You line up. Takes you a few moments, but time passes weirdly here. You could have been there for three hours. You could have been there for ten minutes. Eventually, you get up to the dark cloaked man and you are immediately hit with this sensation of cold. Runs through your entire body. You can see this skeletal hand emerge from the robes as if it's asking for something. You hear it say, Tithe. I, um, Keith reaches out and gives him the coins and waits for acknowledgement. He'll take it. And you watch as his staff that he was holding, the rod he uses to push the boat, is moved and you are allowed to walk onto the boat. I walk on and um, as soon as I get on board, I turn around and I... As you turn around, you watch as the staff moves backwards across, separating between you and Felix. I wait patiently for Felix to get onto the boat. Again, he says, Step forward and say, Hey, big man. I'll let my hand and give him the two coins. He takes it. As he does so, you watch as he holds back the rod once more and you walk through. As a few more passengers jump on, you take your seats around these individuals. All of them seem to be destitutely sitting, unable to converse in a world of their own, almost ethereal and spiritual as you take two seats and look out onto the river of the dead flowing around you. Before we take a seat, I'll um, straight away go up to Key and just give him a big bear hug. And so I'll lift him up a little bit. Gee, if I missed you, I thought you were coming back. I waited days. I, I return the, the embrace just as, just as equally. And uh, once he puts me back on the ground, I say, I, I say to him, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's me that has let us down in this uh, in this. Uh, in our endeavor, I can, I can explain everything to you now if you like, or we can, we can see what our situation is. But um, I owe you an explanation, my friend. You don't owe me anything. I do very much. I have. Once I explain, I don't know how long this boat ride's going to be, so it's be about time. Well, uh, I kind of awkwardly just sort of scratch my head as I uh, motion to uh, get. Felix to get comfortable to sit down um, as I do as well. Are we uh, surrounded by lots of people at this present moment? You are but you're interacting and talking and nobody seems to be paying any mind Excellent. Around you. Their green etherealness just seems to glow off of them you walk past one you sort of wave your hand through and it goes straight through so I, uh, I sit down and I wait for uh, Felix to do the same if he wishes. Uh, as I go sit down too, I'll take some bandages just to wrap around my head. Eye patch. Eye patch. Key sort of notices as he does it, sort of winces again, thinking this is another sacrifice that Felix has done for Key. So uh, Key kind of takes a um, takes a moment to gather his thoughts and, uh, and he turns to Felix and says, First, I want to... Uh, Apologize to you, brother, uh, for not coming back to the the Odyssey. I have a lot to get off my chest. I think. Do you remember? You remember Tezenless? You remember how I was doing those uh, those training sessions? I remember. And you remember the whole reason why I was traveling the land as to what I was trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know. Tezalus was the best shot for, for achieving that. And 
I actually got a taste of some of that power, but um, it was all for naught. But uh, truth is, I took um, I took you for granted, my friend. I saw uh, I was in a very good headspace because of you. Those past four years of us traveling, I've never been so close to somebody since Bikaros, and uh, I've never been in such a good place. But I didn't know that it was you that put me in there. And when I met Tezenlis and he was teaching me these things, uh, I became infatuated with impressing that man. And I lost sight of what was important. I wanted to impress this person so much by bringing him these pages. And in turn, I was learning something pretty good and I was getting good at it. And I was impressing him as well. But by doing so, I put you aside. The one person that really cared about me the most. And then when the whole incident with Dalnak and Undercliff happened, and again you saved my life by giving him those pages. You know, seeing Zen being utterly disappointed with what I've done Seeing you run off to the Odyssey, I knew I could have gone back. But this feeling of anxiety just overwhelmed me. And I ran away. I ran away. And it was because it was the easy thing to do. I even went back to your village and um, I left a gift there for you, which I held a note on me in case I did die. And with a very Hope that you might come across it. After that, when I went to your village, I come across the Crown Killers, and I was in a very bad state. The Crown Killers are a, a trio band of uh, some misfits. They're up to they're up to some mischief. I hope they're okay, actually. But um, you know, they let me in, but um, my state, my my mental state, wasn't the same with you and uh, gaining their trust. Or them, or me trusting them, should I say, was very difficult. And even when I did start trusting them, I was thrust into a position where I had to trust a whole boatload of people, literally. You know, uh, long story short, you know, I caused more problems because I can't trust anybody and I can't even trust myself. And then when your brother told me that you were dead, I was. I was beside myself. I'm sorry, brother. I'll never, I'll never put you aside ever again. I'm always here. What friends are for? And we all make mistakes. Do you forgive me, brother? Every time. Well, at at that moment, I take out my hand as in like, you know, waiting for like the sort of bro sort of thing. But then I pull him in and I hug him and and I'm holding him as if I don't want to let go. And I say, I don't deserve this, but thank you so much. It seems like you were on a quite of the adventure. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was on quite the adventure, but all that matters now is we've got to get you out of here. And I do mean you. And my friend, we've got to get you out of here. Why don't we get you both out of here? And you look towards the stern of the boat and you can see the man that killed you, Felix. And the man that you saw in your last breath of life, Key. You see the dark hair, the emerald green eyes, and the golden arm of Delnak the Outcast. The rest of the boat around you seems to have frozen in this space. And as you look to the boat Keeper, who you remember from your teachings, whose name is Caro, you see he still seems to be driving the boat. Delnak stands in front of you. I tell Felix to immediately stand behind me. Up behind me. I have my whip, my dagger whip in one hand, and I've got one claw. How touching, Felix. How touching, Key. Seems a friendship has been reignited. Hate me all you like, but I am the means to your end. Key. Don't Do you still desire a way from Duros, the plane of the dead? Not for myself, but for Felix. Well, there is a portal. 
And for one who has lived between life and death for so long, that is a secret I hold. We can't trust you, Delnak, with anything you say. What you can trust is that I am untrustworthy. That's true. And what I can trust is that you're desperate. That's also true. So the way I see it, you have no choice. So why don't you listen to my proposal and assess the morality of it later? I uh, turn to Felix, sort of gauge at him, and I look back to Delnak and I say, Oh, we're listening. I need something. Something that resides in this plane, but as a spectral visitor, I am unable to get it myself without fully succumbing to what embrace death offers. Something I am unwilling to do. I require the nectar of Celestis from Trey Morn. He resides in the Craven Halls. Once you have this in your possession, I will reveal to you the pathway to the Lathos portal. But be wary. This pathway is guarded by the undoing of all men. What is the undoing of all men? That's the question, isn't it, Key? When you will find the answer to when you get there. What does this nectar look like? Does it look like nectar? All I know is that it is guarded by Tremon. And he is in the Craven Halls. And I'm under a little bit of a time crunch. So if you could do this promptly... That would be beneficial to us all. We can get you this nectar, but you're not getting it until we get to the portal. I'm impressed, Felix. Very impressed. I'll see you. Not if I don't see you first. Cover my other eye. As you open your other eye, he seems to have disappeared. Guy is such a... heckin' idiot. Do you know what we should do once we get off this boat? Well, we need to find Craven Hall. What was it? Tremorn at the Craven Hall for the Nectar. Think the boat stops there? I don't think we get to choose where this boat goes. I think... Um, I turn to the boatman. Hey, uh, do you stop at the Craven Hall at all? This journey will take you where you must go. Well, we must go to the Craven Hall, so is that where we're going? Uh, I take your silence as a yes. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Well, since you agreed to this quest, I stand by what you want to do. I yeah. think from now on, it's best that you call the shots. You have the higher moral compass. I'm not emotionally equipped to lead anymore. You're the only person in this world I trust. So if there's something you want to do from now on, I'll support you in that. Then trust when I say, you are equipped enough to lead. We're not going to play cat tennis all day. No. See, I can't lead because of my moral. I can't make the hard choices. You can and you will. I will counsel you on this. But from now on, this is your show. Anyway, we should rest up. Perhaps maybe when we wake up, the boat will have arrived. There's one thing that's... What's that, brother? Well, from what it seems, I think I'm here to help you. Because when I was here, I didn't have coin. So, maybe... How about don't come to any assumptions just yet? Let's, let's see where this all pans out. I mean, I'm not smart enough to really come up with any assumptions. I'm not smart enough to figure any of this out, but I could use a cat nap right now. I assume a meditative stance, just sort of on my knees with my palms on my, on my thighs, and I take one look around, and then I, I close my eyes and start inhaling and exhaling. 
we take a wide shot at this boat that seems to be moving down this river of blue arcane dead. You can see the spectral ghosts and figures, skeletons, sailing through the sea below you. Rocky outcroppings protruding through like sharp stalactites and stalagmites. As the space encloses around you, you can see it's almost like you're traveling through a darkened portal along this river of the dead to the destination that you must go to. That's it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. Guys, it's so great to be back. And this episode featured Adam as Felix, Lullaby as Key, and me, Aaron, as your Dungeon Master. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Every single episode that we do here at D&D Valiant Odyssey, we pour our heart and soul into. So you guys actually taking the time to listen to our narrative podcast really means a lot. Guys, it's been a really big break, but we're finally back producing weekly content from the Odyssey for you guys to enjoy. But it hasn't been such a big break for people like Kyle and Brasher. They're some of our newest patrons and they enjoy two specialty podcasts called Tales of the Taproom and Path of the Wild. Our patrons also enjoy community talks, polls, Q&As and sticker packs that we send out monthly for your generous support. If you want to support us in other ways, there's always Instagram. And you can follow us on Instagram to see all our different episode announcements for these shows as well as keeping up to date with anything that's happening around the Odyssey. Like, share, review, all of that free help is very much appreciated and the support actually helps us so much for exposure for our show. The very next episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey Season 3 should be available for you right now because we're such good guys here that we dropped three episodes for you upon the release of Season 3. Again, guys, it's really great to be back. And it gives me great pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to say to you once again, be valiant.